0: Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Today, we're talking with Sean Sears, lead pastor at Grace Church in Boston, Massachusetts, about his church planning experience and his passion to love and engage those who don't know Christ. What's up, Sean? How you doing? You doing all right? all right? Doing good. Good, man. I am excited to, you know, always share with you. I mean, every time we talk, is always, like, lots of fun and, yeah. and enjoyment. And so, man, I remember coming down and seeing to your church, you know, Grace Church in Boston. And, and man, I just remember that I was amazed, you know, with just seeing the diversity seeing just the love that the people had, the genuine love, just the authenticity, you know, and then just even after then hearing your story about how, like, your, how the church was started was even more mind-blowing, I man. Tell me a little bit about just kind of your story, your journey, and just kind of how, why you even got into church planting.
1: Um, I I think I might be the most accidental. Yeah. Church planter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes, because yes, yeah. I, I, I didn't. Um, we didn't start the church on purpose. Yeah. I moved out to Boston to be a professor uh, at a college, and got involved in our town. Uh, I thought that church planting might happen someday. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was mature, yeah. when I was old, like mm-hmm. in my forties. Now I'm way like past. Like now, that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, we tried to buy a house in the city. It was mm-hmm. just too expensive. So we ended up in a town just outside. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was God saying, no, church planting isn't on your, in your future. Um, so I, all right, this is just just be faithful to God in my neighborhood. So I signed up for Little League and uh, coaching basketball, baseball. My wife got involved in PTO. And, and uh, I'm a preacher's kid, raised in a Christian school, went to Christian college. My entire life had been lived in a Christian bubble. Mm. And for the first time in my life, nobody shared my worldview. Mm. And my closest friends were the ones who were farthest from God. And it probably wasn't until my 30s when I finally had skin in the game yeah. when it comes to the mission that God's put all of us on. And we became desperate for God to send somebody to, to start a church that would reach my actual my actual friends. Uh, there were four uh, gospel-centered churches in our town uh, that had a total weekend attendance of 220 hmm. out of 30,000, which means at less than 1%. And um yeah, I, I called everybody I knew said, hey, dude, you got to get out of here and start a church. You got to get out of here and start a church. Uh, my wife and I were at a Dunkin'. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Dun- we, have, we have more Dunkins than du- McDonald's in Boston. Uh, and she said, maybe God already sent somebody. And I said, who? She said, maybe it's us. And I said, Chick, you are smoking crack. Mm-hmm. And I said, because yeah. I still use the word crack in sentences. It can't be me, right? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so that's, that's when, that's how we started thinking about it, and uh, but I was dragging my feet because who just starts a church? Like I said, it wasn't on our, it wasn't part of any strategic plan for mm-hmm. our life. I was just going to teach in, at, at that college. And uh, my non-religious neighbors across the street had a friend attempt suicide. Mm-hmm. She knew that we were Christians, and uh, she came over to our house, and she said, hey, uh, told us a story about a friend. Said I visited her last night, that was a Friday, and I told her she needed God, and my neighbor knows him. I'll be right mm-hmm. back. She said, would you go tell her about God? Well, you don't have to be a church planner to do that. You don't even have to be a super Christian. You just have to not be a jerk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yeah. says they attempted suicide. Would you go? I think even an agnostic would go, well, I'll tell you something. Um, but in the hospital, my non-religious neighbor said to her friend, you need to be in a Bible study. If Sean and Billy Jane started a Bible study in their house, would you go to it? She said, yeah, if you and your husband Glenn will go. She goes, okay, Sean. My wife kicked me. Uh, that down you know below the the bedside, and we figure that when non-religious people are starting yes. our church for us yes. in our house without our permission, right. so
0: your are courting, this is your courting <laughs> right. This is this is awesome. Yeah. My wife
1: and I were the only,
0: uh, mm-hmm. but
1: truthfully, six months in, my wife and I were the only married Christians in our church plant, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know uh, as it turns out, we were also the only married white people in mm. our church. Yes, uh, so our, our church has been very diverse, both. Uh, uh, racially and and spiritually, from the very beginning, and it still is. So so it has a, it has a unique flavor, and that's what you were kind of alluding to. Yeah,
0: and what I love about it is that you talked about like how it was so accidental, but it was not accidental at all, right? In some, and oh, what yeah. I mean by that is, God had deposited in you. you. You use words like I just want to be a faithful Christian. I just want to yeah. reach my my neighbors and really you would think that that should be the heart of all church planners, all people you know yeah, but what are all Christians yeah. you know but the reality is is that oftentimes it's not really about that you know what instead of you know going making disciples you know and then all of a sudden like all these disciples are made we got like appoint elders and deacons instead what we do is that we go get our 501c3 we go do our thing and then we just got like start a sunday gathering and then we just got to put on a better show yeah. than the other churches in town but what I love about it, what, what you just shared, was the intentionality of reaching the lost. Jesus says, "The harvest is plentiful; labors yeah. are few." Pray to the Lord of the harvest for more laborers. What I love about that passage is, is that the the issue wasn't the harvest; the issue was the lack of laborers. <laughs> you know, and what you're talking about is raising up laborers from the harvest. Yeah. You know, talk a little bit about just kind of that birth. You start with a core team where you're the only whites; you're the yeah. only believers in your core team, like talk about that journey and how that was, you know, in starting your church.
1: Um, Yeah, so I I don't want to miscommunicate. We weren't the only, we were the only married married,
0: Married. white white people. Okay, okay.
1: Uh, There were some students from the college I taught at that were helping us that that were white uh, also. Um, But uh, uh, I, I, I think because of where we're at in Boston, it's not like they were disgruntled, Christians mm-hmm. attending other churches that we could pull from. Yeah. They just weren't there. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to reach uh, some of the cities in our country that are moving farther and farther away from a gospel center, you're you're going to have to be more intentional in, in who you're building relationships with and mm-hmm. friendships with. And I think that uh, all of us tend to gravitate towards uh, safety right we we look for people like us right yeah. that's a sociological thing that that's in all of us and as followers of jesus sometimes uh we feel insecure hanging out with people that don't uh share our worldview or our faith and uh uh truthfully sadly i think that we let the brokenness of others threaten our identity and i i don't think that that's Won uh, the heartbeat of, of Jesus, or, or necessary? He hung out with people that were farthest from yeah. God, right? Um, you know, we talked about Luke. We talk about Luke yeah. 15 a yeah. lot, and I think that's what that whole chapter is about. Um, but but the brokenness of others doesn't have to threaten who I am in in Christ. In fact, if if my relationship with with God is is solid and secure, then then it it I should actually have more freedom, more confidence yeah. in hanging out with those who are farthest from Him. Yeah and uh, yeah so so our core team just came from our social network and most of our friends were not followers of Jesus yeah. but they were just cool people yeah. when they found out we had a bible study nobody was weirded out by that mm. and they just started attending in our living room and it it just kind of kind of grew from there we out uh, that was a friday night our first floor is 630 square feet yeah. that holds about 8 people comfortably okay. <laughs> so when we hit about 20 my wife was like, "I don't know. We, you know, we need to split yeah. this up." So we went to a Friday and a Saturday, and then we started growing out of those two different nights. That's when we started
0: meeting on Sunday mornings. But so you started off with a dual service in your home. Yeah, like, but, that is so, <laughs> like, I. Well, just, no,
1: you know what? It was in one of our other neighbors' house. So we we're multi-site. It was a multi-site. multi-site oh, baby.
0: this is okay. <laughs> this... So of course each location only <laughs> had 15 people, but yeah. don't tell nobody that. But it it's a multi-site house right. church. Right. With mar- Yeah, I love it.
1: Um Oh, we were doing micro site before micro site was even cool. Yeah,
0: see, but you you've always, you are, you set the tone. <laughs> Cutting edge. Yeah. Buddy. But speaking of setting the tone you are on the advisory board advisory team with sin network i mean we've been talk champion this idea like we are sin network right, right? and being on the advisory team i love your passion in your heart because that passion is not just something that you just gonna talk about now but it's something that really bleeds from you and so you recently challenged us all to, you know for us to kind of come around this idea of luke 15 and you mentioned it in yeah. your you know what you were just talking about then Talk to me about Luke 15 and why that is so important for pastors to kind of rally around as it relates to the lost.
1: Yeah. Um, It's it's my favorite. Sorry, I'm getting all excited. Yeah, I know. I was (laughs) just like,
0: Homeboy's (laughs) making
1: up. Yeah. Uh, So, um, yeah, Luke 15 is my favorite chapter in the the entire Bible. And um, it starts off with the idea that people who are farthest from God were attracted to Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. verses 1 and 2. That... Uh, uh, notorious sinners, notorious sinners, mm-hmm. right? Like, holy cow, what does it take yeah. to be a notorious? And truthfully, I don't know how many pastor friends that we have, and even us, if we're going to be honest, we get uncomfortable around notorious sinners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But those were the type of people that were actually attracted to Jesus. They, they like to hear him teach, but then at the end of verse 2, part of the religious uh, criticism against Jesus was that he even ate with them. It's like, oh, my word. Like, if you're hanging out with them to give them a gospel track, then we're cool. Mm -hmm. If you're hanging out with them to invite them to temple, we're cool. Or if you're going to try to convert them, that's cool. But if you're just hanging out with them because you like them, Mm -hmm. like with no agenda, like you're just eating with them. Mm -hmm. Like you're hanging out with them socially as though you're genuinely okay with who they are. That to them was evidence that Jesus was off mission. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right?
1: good. Yeah. Is that he was he was genuinely friends with people who were farthest from from God. Mm-hmm. Um and and the thing I love like and I think I think we would all say that we love the lost. Uh, but when we call them the lost that's a pretty good indicator that we're not close friends with very Right. Many of them. Yes. Um but uh um but I don't so we'll say that we love the lost. But I think the question is do the lost Feel loved yeah. by us. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the notorious sinners in Jesus' day felt he genuinely liked and cared about them.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it wasn't just because the words that he spoke, it was because of the time that he gave them.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. I
1: tell church planters that I think one of the most dangerous things to happen in your church is for your church to get to a hundred people. Hmm. Because now you got enough people in the church. Yep. To keep you distracted from yeah. the mission of it. Yeah,
0: that's good. Right. So you talk about the difference that's keeping you up from the mission of the church. Yeah. You talk about the idea. So many of us like thinks that focus the church on just simply the believer, right? Then the the believer. The ministries, inside, the, the m-
1: gathering, the classes.
0: Yeah. So how do you keep? I mean, why is it important to maintain that kind of missional focus even after you get past the hundred? Um
1: okay, the rest of Luke fifteen yeah. is, is one of the main reasons, but also I'll go back to the very first thing Jesus ever told his disciples. He said, If you follow me, I'm gonna make you into something. Hmm. And he said, If you follow me, I'm going to make you a what? A disciple. Well, a disciple a a of a fisher of men. Yep. Right. Yep.
0: The end result I don't like you, um, Challenging my like like I was like, I don't know. I like I got nervous <laughs> right there. I, I just got really nervous. I'm like, you gave me some questions Shai's ahead mind, of time. Right. I didn't
1: give you my questions no, okay, ahead yeah. of time. I'm but sorry. Go ahead, okay. continue on No, with you the story, did great. Yeah. You did great. Answer to the quest was the question was <clears throat> perfect. Uh, right, but he said if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Mm, yeah. The end result of your spiritual maturity is your focus on those who don't have it. Mm. The yeah. closer you get to Jesus, Yeah the more time you spend with those who are farthest from him. Mm. That's what he told them. Yeah, yeah. If you follow me, I'm gonna make you focused on everybody else who doesn't mm-hmm. follow me. Mm-hmm. And then he spent the next three years earning a reputation of a guy who spends too much time with pagans
0: mm. with it. his
1: disciples, yeah. modeling this for them. Mm-hmm. And then at the end he says, now get your butt out there and actually do this. Yeah. Go into all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. We call discipleship the training of those who've already found, yeah. but Jesus said when He used the word disciple, you make a disciple of of what kind of a person? Of a lost person. I'm glad you didn't ask me, but <laughs> so, sorry,
0: no, no, this is good. all
1: questions will be rhetorical <laughs> from now on. But go into all of the no, world really and make disciples of those who are far from me. Yeah. Baptize them, right? Give them the opportunity to identify with me. To bury the identity they used to have before they found their yeah. identity in me, yeah. and, then, and then teach them to follow the things that I taught you, yeah. which was to do what? To, to, to keep themselves clean mm-hmm. and to spend as much time as they could with those farthest from God. That's good. Uh, then in Ephesians, uh, that, uh, Scripture says uh, that God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for two things. The work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. What's the work of the ministry? We think that that's volunteering on the weekends. No. The work of the ministry, you said the work whereunto I've been sent is to seek and to save those who are what? Lost. Lost. Yeah. The work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom is the pursuit of those farthest from it. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying God's a rescuing God from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. It's just that once we get found we stop rescuing yeah no we do at the very beginning we become very passionate about it but the longer you're a christian it seems the less likely you are to have close friends who are in most need of the faith that you that's awesome
0: at blueprint we talk about the idea of christianity is not a religion but it's relationships and we talk about plural relationship with god relationship with other believers but relationship with our neighbors yes and i think a lot of times for believers We basically are real good, like we have a relationship with God and a relationship with one another. But it's always that relationship with our neighbors that seems kind of like an elective. You know, like we don't really – we don't really – have to, I mean, even though what you just said if is you 100%
1: do, true. If you got the gift of evangelism, then, yes, you should hang yeah, out with people who are yeah, far from God, yeah. but I ain't got that gift. Yeah,
0: that is, oh, that is so, so good. Because, and you was talking about the idea of 100 and being, taking that 100, and then, you know, in that passage, you was talking about how Jesus leaves the 99 oh, yeah, when yeah. the one, right. you know, and I think that that is so significant because as a church planner, you do, you get to that, kind of that mass where it's like, okay, like, I'm going to yeah. eat tomorrow, you know, and it's like, I got, and nine like, nine. I got yeah, and, but you need to continue to stay focused on that one. Yeah. And we always need to always stay focused on that one. And so one of the things that we've been able to kind of rally, you've been rallying us around has been around this idea of like, let's all kind of do this. Let's kind of get this going you know, for us as we begin to look for that one. And, and as churches, you know, with the Sin Network, like being able to keep that focus in on the one, I think is really, really critical for us to, to be able to do it. What, what would you say are some of the things that pastors need to be warned about, you know, in terms of focusing on the 99 despite the one?
1: Uh, warned about? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think that our focus, as, especially as church planters, is is getting financially sustainable. Yeah. Uh, like like if you're a full time church plan, you quit your job and other churches and you know, the NAM network and maybe other uh, friends and family are financially helping your family provide for itself and you know that there's an end date to that. Yeah. And I think that there's a sense of arrival once our churches are large enough that the uh, income from the tithes and offerings is prov- taking care of the needs of the church and, and its, yeah. its pastors. Um, and, and there's a sense of, of arrival that I, I think can be a, be a threat. And the goal of your church plant was never to be financially self-sustaining. Right. Right. You can do that in a house church while keeping your job at the insurance company. That was never yeah. the goal. The goal of any church is to be a place that equips people to be sent out and, yeah, to, to the go and tell, but also the come and see. Most yeah. of the people who came to faith in Jesus in the book of Acts, it was come and see evangelism. They came to large gatherings where mm-hmm. one of the apostles or, you know, Paul or somebody like that was, was, was preaching to, to a large crowd. So I, I would say that that sense of arrival um, is, is a threat. Uh, I would say that you shouldn't measure the success of your church by the number of people who are attending, mm-hmm. uh, but you need to measure your, your church Against the number of your friends who still haven't found faith yet
0: mm, that's good so every
1: single weekend at grace not every single weekend but occasionally I should say so it's not even very often <laughs> uh, you know we'll, we'll I'll, I'll feel like this uh, like we've like we've got this like we're, we're in a groove now I'll say how many of us have friends uh, neighbors uh, family members who are still disconnected from God everybody' will raise their hand and I'll say we'll be done when there ain't no more hands being raised that's good. Uh, I got to go to a Perry Noble coaching thing a long time ago. Our church, I think at the time, was seven years old. And I wrote on there. They said, who are you? I said, I'm a church planter. And I heard a guy standing in line behind us. It's a very small group, so he knew I was standing in front of him. Yeah. And he goes, what moron still calls himself a church planter after seven years? Right? Mm-hmm. So I turned around, and I throat punched him. No, I didn't at all. I'm just Oh, I, I was about to, like, <laughs> man, Dude, Like <laughs> I've never been in a fight in my life. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm afraid to stop calling myself a church planter mm-hmm. because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my edge. Yeah, that's good. If, when I stop calling myself a church planner, I'm afraid my focus will stop being on others and will start being on us. And I think that's when God will go, you thought this was about the laborers. It's never been about the laborers, bro. It's always been about the harvest. The harvest, that's good. You guys need to get out of the worker's shed that's and good. get your butt back out there.
0: So as we've preached Luke 15 as kind of a core group of churches, you know, late October, early November, Give me one reason why others, other pastors, should preach Luke 15 to their congregations.
1: I can't think of one chapter that more clearly summarizes God's priority over those who have, uh, who are still spiritually disconnected, over those who've already been connected, and that he connects us for the purpose of connecting those who are still disconnected. Three different times Jesus repeats the, the idea that someone's proximity to him has never affected their value to him, right? doesn't matter how far they are. It never meant that they were unloved. There are three different reasons why those are lost, and there's three different reasons why our friends were lost. Mm -hmm. The reason why they're lost has never— God doesn't care why our friends and family are disconnected from God. He only cares that they are. Jesus doesn't repeat himself often, but when he does it three times, he's telling you this is the most important thing we Mm -hmm. need to remember. Yeah.
0: And I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thank you, man.
1: Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, kid.